0: Hello, and welcome to Coffee & Code. I'm your host, Ashley Coffee. Coffee & Code is your weekly rundown for the latest top tech news from around the world delivered every Wednesday. On this show, you'll find a mix of the latest news in the tech world, including privacy, infosec, startups, and more, including interviews with experts, innovators, and practical everyday tech tips to level up your life. Subscribe to Coffee and Code to be notified when new episodes go live. You can also find me on Twitter at AshleyCoffee underscore. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-C-O-F-F-E-Y underscore. And on Instagram at AshleyRCoffee89. Thanks for listening and welcome to Coffee and Code. Today, I'll be covering DeepMind's historic new milestone in AI-based protein structure prediction, Salesforce and Slack's mega-deal, and the first six cases to come before Facebook's new oversight board. Let's dive in. Alphabet's DeepMind achieves historic new milestone in AI-based protein structure prediction. DeepMind, the AI technology company that's a part of Google's parent Alphabet, has achieved a significant breakthrough in AI based protein structure prediction. The company announced on Monday that its AlphaFold system has officially solved a protein folding grand challenge that has challenged the scientific community for 50 years. The advance in DeepMind's Alpha-Fold capabilities could lead to a significant leap forward in areas like our understanding of disease as well as future drug discovery and development. The test that Alpha-Fold passed essentially shows that the AI can correctly figure out to a very high degree of accuracy, accurate to within the width of an atom, in fact, the structure of proteins in just days, A very complex task that is crucial to figuring out how diseases can be best treated, as well as solving other big problems like working out how best to break down ecologically dangerous materials like toxic waste. You may have heard of Folding at Home, the program that allows people to contribute their own home computing and formerly game consoles' processing power to protein folding experiments. That massive global crowdsourcing effort was necessary because using traditional methods, portion-folding prediction takes years and is extremely expensive in terms of straight cost and computing resources. DeepMind's approach involves using an attention-based network, neural network system, basically a neural network that can focus on specific inputs in order to increase efficiency. It's able to continually refine its own predictive graph of possible protein-folding outcomes based on their folding history and private provide highly accurate predictions as a result. How proteins fold or go from being a random string of amino acids when originally created to a complex 3D structure in their final stable form is key to understanding how diseases are transmitted as well as how common conditions like allergies work. If you understand the folding process, you can potentially alter it, halting an infection's progress mid-stride or conversely correct mistakes in folding that can lead to neurodegenerative and cognitive disorders. DeepMind's technological leap could make accurately predicting these folds a much less time and resource-consuming process, which could dramatically change the pace at which our understanding of diseases and therapeutics progresses. This could come in handy to address major global threats, including future potential pandemics like the COVID-19 crisis we're currently enduring, by predicting viral protein structures to a high degree of accuracy early in the appearance of any new future threats like SARS-CoV-2, thus speeding up the development of potential effective treatments and vaccines. Now, this is a huge revelation, and I'm really surprised that this has happened in 2020 Uh, Early in January, DeepMind published a paper stating that they were very close to a big breakthrough, and here we are in November, and the breakthrough has happened. Um, I mean, artificial intelligence is incredible in general, but this has solved one of biology's grand challenges, and what the DeepMind team has managed to achieve is fantastic and will change the future of structural biology and protein research. As this is a 50-year-old problem, um, a lot of scientists never thought that they would see it in their lifetime, um, a solution to this. As the human body uses tens of thousands of different proteins, each string has a dozen to many hundreds of amino acids. The order of those amino acids dictates how the myriad pushes and pulls between them that gives rise to proteins' complex 3D shapes. So that in turn determines how they function. So knowing those shapes helps researchers devise drugs that can lodge in proteins' pockets and crevices. And being able to synthesize proteins with a desired structure could speed the development of enzymes that make biofuels and degrade waste plastic. So huge revelation. Um, This is a nice silver lining to 2020 and what we've all been through and what we've been experiencing. Um, This is a great example of how technology is really driving Um, research and technology is making solutions for for problems that we've experienced. So I'm interested to see what the next revelation is going to be, especially in the world of artificial intelligence. Salesforce buys Slack in a $27.7 billion mega deal. That's a lot of money. Salesforce, the CRM powerhouse that recently surpassed $20 billion in annual revenue, announced this week it is wading deeper into enterprise social by acquiring Slack and a $27.7 billion mega deal. Rumors of a pending deal surfaced last week, causing Slack's stock price to spike. Salesforce co-founder and CEO Mark Benioff didn't mince words on his latest purchase. Quote, this is a match made in heaven. Together, Salesforce and Slack will shape the future of enterprise software and transform the way everyone works in an all-digital, work-from-home, anywhere world. End quote. Slack CEO Stuart Butterfield was no less effusive than his future boss. Quote, As software plays a more and more critical role in the performance of every organization, we share a vision of reduced complexity, increased power and flexibility, and ultimately a greater degree of alignment and organizational agility. Personally, I believe this is the most strategic combination in the history of software, and I can't wait to get going, end quote. Every worker at every company needs to communicate, something that Slack can ably empower. What's more, it also facilitates external communication with customers and partners, something that should be quite useful for a company like Salesforce and its family of offerings. Ultimately, Slack was ripe for the taking. Entering 2020, it had lost around 40% of its value since it went public. Consider that after its most recent earnings report, the company lost 16% of its value and before the Salesforce deal leaked, the company was worth only a few dollars per share more than its direct listing reference price. Toss in net losses of $147 million during the two quarters, ending in July 31, 2021, Slack's uninspiring public valuation, its winding path to profitability, and it was a sitting target for a takeover like this one. The only surprise here is the price. Slack's current valuation, according to both Yahoo and Google Finance, is just over $25 billion which, given its very modest price change after hours, means that the market priced the company somewhat effectively. Slack is up around 48% from its valuation that preceded the deal becoming known. The new deal also puts Salesforce more on par and in competition with its ARC rival and sometime friend Microsoft, whose team's product has been directly challenging Slack in the market. Microsoft, which passed on buying Slack in the past for a fraction of what Salesforce is paying today, has made Teams a key priority in recent quarters. What really has set Slack apart from the pack, at least initially, was its, is its ability to integrate with other enterprise software. When you combine that with bots, those intelligent digital helpers, the company could potentially provide Salesforce customers with a central place to work without changing focus because everything they need to do can be done in Slack. The deal comes after Salesforce's purchase of Quip in 2016 for $750 million. Quip brought the software-as-a-service giant a way of socially sharing documents and when paired with the slack acquisition give salesforce a much more robust social story to tell than its internal option chatter an early attempt at enterprise social that never really caught on it's worth noting that salesforce was interested in twitter in 2016 The same year that Microsoft was reportedly interested in Slack, but eventually walked away from that deal when shareholders objected, not wanting to deal with the controversial side of the social platform. For those of you who don't know, Slack was founded in 2013, but its origins actually go back to an online multiplayer game company called Glitch that was founded in 2009. While the game was ultimately a failure, the startup developed an internal messaging system in the process of building that company that later evolved into Slack. The company's historic growth helped Slack raise more than $1 billion while private, earning an impressive $7 billion valuation before going public last year. But while the glitch to unicorn story appears simple, Slack has always faced entrenched competition from the likes of not only Microsoft, but also Cisco, Facebook, Google, and even Asana and Monday.com. For Slack, the path to the public markets was fraught with hype and outsized expectation. The company was famous, or as famous as an enterprise software company can be. At the time, it felt like its debut was the start of a long tenure as an indie company, Instead, that public life has been cut short by a huge check. Such is the dog-eat-dog world of technology. Facebook's Oversight Board details its first six cases from 20,000 submitted, opens them to public comment, and announces the appointment of five more trustees. Facebook's Oversight Board has chosen its first batch of cases to review. All involve decisions originally made by the platform to remove user content. They include images of female breasts in a post about breast cancer, and an image of a dead child alongside text about whether retaliation was justified against China for its treatment of Uyghur Muslims. The board said Facebook users had submitted 20,000 suggested incidents for review since October of this year. The arbitration body is inviting the public to comment on the cases, which have all been anonymized, over the next seven days. If it opts to overrule or alter Facebook's original actions, the firm must both publicly respond and comply. Quote, Facebook has to follow our decision. And that means if they have taken content down, they have to put it back up. But they also have to use this as a guideline for other similar cases, end quote. This comes from Hel Thornig Schmidt, former Prime Minister of Denmark and an oversight board member. She told reporters that the cases had come from around the world and were chosen to, quote, raise questions about Facebook's policies on hate speech, nudity, Dangerous organizations and violence. The board has not given a date to share its conclusions, but Facebook has previously said it expects cases to be resolved within 90 days, including any action it is told to take. The six cases are as follows. A screenshot of tweets by former Malaysian prime minister in which he wrote that, quote, Muslims have a right to be angry and kill millions of French people for the massacres of the past, end quote. Photos of a dead child fully clothed with a text in Burmese asking why there was no retaliation against China for its treatment of Uyghur Muslims. Alleged historical photos of churches in Baku, Azerbaijan, with text saying that Baku had been built by Armenians, and asking where the churches had gone. Eight photographs on Instagram which included female breasts and nipples with text in Portuguese about cancer, breast cancer symptoms. An alleged quote by Nazi Germany's propaganda chief, Joseph Goebbels, and a video about France's refusal to authorize hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin as treatments for COVID-19. It is time for your weekly tech tip. This week's tech tip is for all the iPhone users out there, and it is centered around helping you remember birthdays. I recently celebrated my birthday on November 30th. Thank you to everyone who reached out to say happy birthday. Um, But this is one of my favorite tips because it helps you stay on top of birthdays for your friends and family so you can remember them without having to log into Facebook. So to do this, you're going to go into your contacts and you can choose a currently existing contact and you can choose edit at the top right hand corner. And from here, you'll see several fields towards the bottom. There's actually a field called add birthday. So from here, you will add that person's birthday, month, day. You don't have to add the year, but if you do add the year, the benefit of that is it will tell you each year how old that person is turning, very clever. And once you have their birthday in, you're gonna click done at the top right-hand corner, so it saves. And now there's a birthday associated with that person's contact. Now what's really cool here is whenever you add a birthday to someone's contact, it automatically adds it to your calendar. So open up your calendar app that's built into your phone and you want to make sure you have birthdays enabled. It's a little calendar at the very bottom. So click on calendars and from here, you'll see all the different types of calendars that are enabled on your phone. I have my work calendar, my personal calendar, my all the things that I do calendar. Um, There's also the very bottom one called birthdays. You want to make sure the little check mark is checked to the left of that and then click done in the top right hand corner. And from there, you can go check out that date that you just added for the birthday that in your contact that you just added. So once you tap on that day, it'll actually give you a really cool icon at the very top. It's a little uh, birthday gift, kind of emoji-looking thing. So once you tap on that, it'll say, hey, it's this person's birthday. And if you have their year associated with it, it'll say, hey, it's this person's 28th birthday. Um, this is great. I have my nephew's birthday in here, and he is not old enough to have a phone yet, so I don't have any Information associated with his contact, aside from his name and his birthday. So, don't be afraid to add the contacts in here of of friends and family, even if you don't have all their information. Um, it's great to keep on tra- keep on track of, of those birthdays and have them automatically pop up in your calendar. That way, when their day rolls around, you can send them a you know e gift card or just a little text saying, "Hey, happy birthday!" A little, a lot more personal than writing on someone's Facebook wall. And that's your tech tip. I hope you'd enjoyed it. Uh, Let me know what you think. If you enjoyed today's episode of Coffee & Code, head on over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. And it helps other listeners find podcasts that might be interesting to them. I'll actually be doing a giveaway at the end of 2020 and anyone who has submitted a rate or review will be automatically entered to win. Stay tuned for more details, and thank you for listening to Coffee and Code.